You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you guys here at Foothills Church. We are in a sermon series that we are calling 10 because we're celebrating that we are 10 years old as a church. So that's a huge, huge feat. Um, when you study like church plants and, and what God is doing around the country, the North American Mission Board, uh, which we are connected to through the Southern Baptist Convention, they plant churches all over North America. And their research shows that 33% of churches don't make it past year four of their church. And of those that do make it past year four, uh, they average around 80 people in attendance. So when I look at the life of our church and when I see the hundreds of people that have connected, come to faith in Christ, grown in maturity, um, I'm blown away. I mean, there was a time that first year of our church where we weren't sure if this deal was going to actually work. There was, a, there was a, a couple of weeks where I felt like we were going to have to shut the doors, but God had a better plan. He, he had a better and, and bigger vision than anything I could comprehend. And you know, 10 years later, 2,000 of us gather every week to worship the name of Jesus. So we're going to celebrate that today and for the next couple of weeks. Can we do that? We want to thank Jesus for what he's done. Only Jesus could do that. And, and so I'm excited about this series and, and what God is doing in it. And, and really what we want to do is we want to think about in this series, uh, when it comes to church, what is the win? I mean, how do we know that as a church, we're actually doing what God wants us to do? I mean, just showing up on Sunday doesn't mean that we're doing anything special for God. Like, how do we know that we are making a difference and we're doing what the, the, the Holy Spirit wants us to do? And when you look at the New Testament, you see that Jesus actually makes the win or the purpose uh, very clear. Uh, we call it the Great Commission, and he's very specific about what we're supposed to do as a church and what we're supposed to do even as followers of Jesus. Here's what the New Testament says. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So last week we noticed, okay, a few words really important. Go. And the Greek word there literally means as you go. So as you go to work, as you go to the grocery store, as you go to the mall, as you live your life, we are on mission to make disciples. So we make disciples, we baptize, and we teach. That's what it means to fulfill this great commission, the church's goal. In fact, the goal of every believer is really clear, make Disciples. We call this the Great Commission because it's the greatest thing that we can do as a church and as an individual to, to baptize people, to teach people what it means to follow Christ, to make disciples, and to live on mission for Him. And so the goal of this series is, is I want to teach you how we make disciples at Foothills Church, and I want you to engage because I believe that as you engage this church and the Great Commission, God is going to change your life. So how do we accomplish the Great Commission? Well, the way that we say it in our vision statement, you've heard us say it a hundred times, is we exist to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. So that is the big picture. We're going to make disciples. And how do we kind of break that down into a strategy? Well, there's three words here that we look at. We looked at them last week, and it's share, connect, and equip. 
So how we actually fulfill this is we share the love of God, we connect to the people of God, and we equip for the mission of God. So everything that we do flows through this lens. If it doesn't accomplish this, then we don't do it. And so I believe over the last 10 years, God has, has blessed this. And, and this is part of this series is, is not only teaching you guys, like, here's what we do, but it's also for our leadership to make sure, are we still doing that? Because in the last 10 years, this is what God has blessed. As long as we're focused on making disciples, God blesses and God does incredible things. And so in the next 10 years, 20 years, however long this, the, the, the church exists before Jesus returns, we want to stay focused on this great commission. Last week, we focused on sharing the love of God and what that looks like and how you can apply that to your life. And so if you miss it, you can go online and watch that. But uh, I mentioned writing your story down and the, and the value of being able to share your story. How many of you have written your story down? Or maybe for the first time you did it this week, how many of you have actually written down your story? Let me see by a show of hands. Some in the room, awesome, good for you guys. That's amazing. Those of you that haven't done that, let me just tell you, you are missing out on the blessing of God in your life. God wants to use your story to encourage and bless someone. How many of you guys paid it backwards this past week? You bought somebody's meal. How many of you? Awesome. Hands all over. Same thing if you have not done this. Some of you are like, what does that mean? This is where you buy somebody's meal when you're in the drive-thru you know, uh, pay for the meal behind you or coffee, wherever you're at. And uh, we've got cards in the Connect Center that you can hand out to the, the attendant at the window just to give to them, just a way to share God's love. See, some of you are missing the blessing because you're not applying this. And uh, the story came back to me this week. Uh, David Anderson sent me an email and he said uh, his daughter, Sydney, was at uh, a fast food place here in town and she was just waiting for her food and she smiled at this woman that just happened to be standing there. And what happens when you smile at somebody? They typically smile back at you. And so this woman smiled back at her and a, a moment later she came up and just said, hey, I just, just want to let you know your, your smile made my day. And uh, she proceeded to tell Sydney that she is dying of liver cancer, and so there's, there's, there's no hope for her. And so she's just kind of waiting out, you know, her time and, and how desperate she was. And Sydney offered to buy her meal, and she said, no, no, you don't have to do that. And she said, I, I, just, I just would ask you to pray for me. And so Sydney, being here last Sunday, she knew what she had to do, something she had never done in the history of her life, which is not just say, yeah, 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 I'll pray for you. She actually put her hand on the woman's shoulder and, and prayed for her right there in that moment in that fast food restaurant. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, let's celebrate that. That's amazing. And just think, if the hundreds of us in this room today would all leave and go do the same thing, how many lives would be touched? How many lives would be impacted? Because we simply not just heard with our ears, but we actually did something about it. You see, every day God wants to use you to bless somebody's life. Today I want to talk about the second step, the second approach that we take, and that is to connect to the people of God. We share God's love, and we also seek to connect to the people of God. So focus with me here for a minute. Here's the great news. You see, one of the great things about our God is he allows other people into our lives to make us and help us grow deeper as followers of Christ. In God's design, he says, Trent, you're never going to be as good alone as you will be if you allow somebody else into your life to help you. You see, it's a great thing when you study the New Testament, you learn that you don't have to live your life alone. You don't have to do life 
alone. And, and, and I can be better. I can be a deeper. I can be a stronger follower, more committed follower of Jesus because of somebody else who I have allowed to be in my life. I've allowed myself to connect to the people of God. You see, when you and I connect to the people of God, here's what we're doing. When we're growing closer to God, we'll grow closer together. And as we grow closer together, and when you are connected to others who want to grow closer to God, guess what? You grow closer to God. See, that's the great news, right? And that's what we want to unpack today, because God doesn't want you to do and to live your spiritual life alone. Our culture is trying to say that our spiritual life is a private matter. You don't talk about it. I won't talk about it. Let's just keep it private. But God says in his great design, you can only be deeper. You can only grow to a deeper spiritual depth if you are in relationship with the people of God. Because we grow when we're connected to other Christians. It just goes hand in hand. Now, what you need to know is anything great in your life is not going to happen alone. Study history. Nothing ever happens great in anybody's life alone. It always happens in relationship. Nobody does anything great by themselves. And we even learn this at a young age uh, when we're watching TV because Batman had Robin. Yeah. And, and Shaggy had Scooby and and, and Bert, don't forget about Bert. Bert had Ernie, and, and for the younger crowd, Drake had Josh, very good, and Zach had Cody, absolutely. The older people are like, what is she talking about? I don't know. It's... Yeah, no matter who you are, anything great that happens in your life, there's going to be other people around you. Here's what the Bible says. The Apostle Paul says this in the book of Ephesians. He says, I am eager to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. In this way, each of us will be a blessing to the other. Here's the key. Folks, I want to be a blessing to you. I want to be in relationship with people where I can bless them spiritually. But here's the other part of that. I want them to bless me. And when we do that, we are a blessing to each other. And so our vision statement to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. Now, why relational environments? Well, because Jesus did it that way. When you study his life, he was in a, a group of men, 12 to be exact, and he lived life with them. Now, he spent time with large crowds and all kinds of different people, but the majority of his time was spent with those 12 Guys, and even in the midst of those 12 guys, there were three guys that he really poured into, Peter, James, and John. And the relationship that I want to focus on today is with one of the guys in that inner circle that I think when you read the New Testament, you see that he actually spent even more time with this guy, and his name is Peter. And by looking at his relationship with Peter, I want us to see how intense this relationship was and how God used it to, to bless Peter's life. And, and as we look at it, here's the word that I want us to think about because we're going to push back on everything I'm saying today. And the word that we want to think about through this lens is the word uncomfortable. <laughs> because here's the reality. If you want to grow, if you want to grow closer to the Lord, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. Here's, here's what we know. Relational discipleship 
can be uncomfortable. Now, simply the word discipleship is kind of a churchy word, and it just simply means your spiritual growth, your spiritual journey with God, how you grow in your faith. And so the best way for that growth to happen is relationally because Jesus did it that way. He modeled it to us. We can't do it alone. But when we step into those relationships, you can count on this. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. I had a very close friend in my life when I felt that God was calling me into full-time ministry, but I was just kind of stalling on that step that God wanted me to, 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 to take. Has anybody else known what God wanted them to do, but you just kind of stalled? Any stallers in the room like me? Yeah, man, I, I was stalling. And, and I had this friend, she happened to be my girlfriend at the time. She came up to me one day in kind of in an intense way. It was intense fellowship, I like to call it. And um, she said, she said, Trent, if God is calling you into ministry, what are you waiting for? And uh, kind of took offense to that, but got over it, decided to marry her. She's my wife today. <laughs> and uh, that uh, is a great uh, moment in, in the life of our relationship together. But sometimes it takes that encouragement and tough truth to kind of shake us, and that can be uncomfortable at times. But that's what God uses, and that's what God wants to use in your life. Uh, I, I'm going to give you three action steps today. They're going to move you in this direction. So I hope you hang with me. I hope you write it down. I hope you read. I hope you take notes. I hope you talk about it this week. I hope you share it with somebody this week. Here's step number one if you want to connect to the people of God. Step one is you've got to commit to walk together. You've got to commit to walk together. I mean, isn't this how all great stories go? There's somebody who makes a commitment to do something. And so let me talk about this for a minute because every single one of us, it's not just enough to show up on Sunday. If you want to really grow, you're going to have to commit to walk together with someone. Have you ever noticed that people have various walks you know, you have a different walk, I have a different walk. Watching people come into church today, they all kind of have a different walk. Every time I go to the mall with my wife, um, it's like after five minutes, I'm tired and I need to sit down on the bench. Any other dudes like that? Just like I can't take it anymore. So I sit down and then I just start people watching. I, I, I like the people watch anyway. I was like the people watch. You're just kind of watching people. And it's just funny to watch how different people walk. You know, you've got the fast walker in the mall. And, you know, they're giving it one of these as they're walking in the mall. And, and you're like, man, he's in a hurry. She's in a hurry. Wonder, wonder where she's going. And then, and then you've got the angry walkers that are in the mall. Or you've got the angry walker at home. And they're just kind of stomping around up the steps, you know, because they're angry. You can tell because of how they're walking. You, you've got the Ooh, I broke curfew walker, so I'm a, I'm, I'm a light walker. And so you're coming in, tiptoeing in the house. You know, some of you did that last night because you stayed out too late. You didn't want mom and dad to know. And, and then you've got the, I stayed up too late watching the Virginia-Purdue game walker. They're the zombie walkers today, so they're like dragging like this. Elbow the person next to you and make sure they're awake because they watch the game. You should have just picked Virginia like I did, and your bracket would not be busted. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. We all have different walks. We all have a different path. We come from different backgrounds. But what do churches typically do to help people grow? One size fits all. If you want to grow, you got to show up at 8 a.m., bring your Bible, and Brother Joe is going to preach and talk for 60 minutes in a group of five people. And if you stay awake, lucky enough, then you can, you know, it's like, Really? Memorize this, jump through this hoop, go to that class, sit in this class, do this, and then boom, you can, you're good to go. But here's the reality. Everybody's walk is going to be different. It's a bad system to say everybody's got to fall in line with this, 
this opportunity or this way. Everybody's walk is going to be different because you're all different people. You've got a different background and a different story and, 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 and different experiences in your life. So as a result, you need more of a, of a tailored approach. I don't get asked this much anymore, but in the early days, people would always ask me, Trent, are we going to do what so-and-so church does? Are we going to do this program? Are we going to do that program? You know, It's like, are we going to do Awana? Are we going to do vacation Bible school and all these kinds of things? What about a men's group ministry and a women's ministry? And it's just like all these questions come, you know, come at you. And, and uh, the reality is those, I, I get it, like programs make us feel like we're doing something good because there's a book, there's a lesson, I study the lesson, I show up, I teach it, I do it, and then I can go back home. And that makes me feel like I made disciples. It makes me feel like I did something great. But the reality is, no matter who I teach or who you teach or who you show up and work through, whatever, it doesn't mean that they're actually growing. I mean, let's just be real honest. This is a huge part of what it means to be a follower of Christ, to come and listen to the word of God taught. But many of you are going to forget what I said by the time you eat lunch. Heck, I'm going to forget what I even preached about in a couple of days it's just the nature of our minds and how they work. So what do we need? We don't just need another lesson. We don't just need to sit and hear things. We need a community of people that take what they hear and then start living it out together. I'm not going to say that this is what discipleship or growth looks like every single time. Hey, this is what it looks like. I'm not saying this is exactly what it looks like every time, but here's the reality. If you want to grow deeper, if you want your relationship with God to be on a more committed level, you're going to have to do life together with God's people. You see, the system, the method that we use to help people grow in their faith is a small group. And they meet at different times. They meet in different capacities. Some are all women's groups. Some are all men's groups. Some are co-ed, some have older couples and younger couples mixed together. Some are all kind of older couples or all kind of younger couples. They're all different, and they're all led by different leaders, and, and they're, they're made up of all kinds of different people because every single one of you need a different approach. You need a different, you, you need a different kind of person in your life to help you grow, and so that's why we say over and over again, it's so valuable for you to connect in a small group, and getting in a group is step one. After you get into that group and, and kind of break through that, oh, this is kind of uncomfortable and I'm really, really busy, but I know this is important and so I'm going to do it, even in the midst of that small group of 12, 13, 14 people, you're going to connect to one or two or three others. And it's in the confines of that one or two or three others that now, oh, here's why we don't do a women's ministry and gather thousands of women every weekend to do something, because that's great for that night. And we do that from time to time. But what's even greater is, is if I can get 500 ladies in a small group so that all year long now, they're connecting with a leader and other, other women in their group. And they can do their own Bible study whenever they want, however they want. And they're able to have that freedom and just say, hey, let's do this. And, and the leader encourages that and, and, and is a part of that. You see, this is why it's working. I was... Um, talking to several of our small group leaders last couple of weeks, and, and uh, one story in particular came back to me that I wanted to share with you. It's from David Forrester's small group, and uh, they wrote the story down and emailed it to me, and I thought it was awesome, so I wanted to share it with you today. It was about Jill and Kevin Brinker. 
And uh, they were riding horses in the mountains. And as they are uh, riding the horse, uh, Jill's horse started to run a little bit and then tripped. And when the horse tripped, she went flying. And when she landed, she broke her pelvis bone and her shoulder. Then she had to get back up on the horse and ride down the trail for several miles and then get into the car and ride several miles to the hospital. And Kevin called a small group. And on the way to the hospital, he calls a small group. And by the time they get to the hospital, somebody from a small group was actually at the hospital with them. In their own words, she writes this. Over the next several weeks, members of our small group came to our house and prayed for healing. They so graciously brought us meals as I was healing, sent cards, brought puzzles and things to do while I was at home. When Kevin needed to leave, small group members stayed at home and sat with me. Because we are retired from Michigan, we have no family here. Our small group became the family we needed. They were truly the hands and feet of Jesus for us. Our group not only lifted us up in prayer, but were willing to meet any needs we had. God miraculously healed me. I went from being bedbound to a wheelchair, then a walker, and then a cane, and to no assistance at all. As a result of our small group, we have grown closer to the Lord and to each other. Our small group has been a huge blessing from God. Can we celebrate that, church? What a great story. Man. See, I, I want that in my life. If, if, if something like that were to happen to me, you want that in your life. Listen, we all want this kind of help and love, but you only experience it when you commit to walk together. I want to look at a story in Matthew chapter 4 if you've got your Bibles. It's a familiar story that many of you are going to understand, and, and there, there are a lot of different things that I'd like to teach about this story, but, but here's, here's the one thing that I want us to get. I want us to notice how intentional Jesus is and how intentional Peter is. As we look at the life of Peter and Jesus and their relationship, we're going to pull some things out of their journey together to apply to our lives. Here's what the Bible says in verse 18 of chapter 4. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus walking, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. They're professional fishermen. That's what they do. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Hey, if you're taking notes, write this word down because this is huge. The key word here is the word intentional. This is so important in the life of a believer that, that Jesus is intentional here because he goes to Peter and he says, hey, I want you to follow me. And then Peter says, hey, I'm going to leave my profession and I'm going to follow you. Listen, this means that every single one of us has to be intentional about our spiritual life. Just showing up to church on Sunday morning is not going to guarantee your spiritual growth. I promise you, I know many men who have been in church for 40, 50 years, they've showed up. But listen, just showing up doesn't mean that you're going to grow up. It doesn't mean that you're really going to experience the power of God. You've got to be intentional about that growth. So think about it with me. Is there anybody in your life today that you're doing life together with who intentionally is helping you grow spiritually and who you are also encouraging them to help them grow spiritually? 
If you can't answer that question, I've got great news for you. That can begin to change in your life. And just imagine when you get bucked off of that horse and you need help, you're going to then have a group of people surrounding you just like Jill had. You see, when we go through a difficult season of life, we're always looking for help. Like we want that. But if we haven't made a commitment to do life together with, with others, then we're going to look around and we're not going to see anybody there. I think it's huge for us to be intentional and commit to grow together. Second step that we have to do is we've got to, once we get into a small group, we've got to challenge each other's faith. Like we're not just showing up to hang out. We're not just showing up to eat and laugh, play games together. That's all part of it. But we're here because we want to challenge each other's faith. Um, I think the big idea for most of us, like when we gather, is that, listen, we don't want to be the same spiritually. So we've got to push each other. I need to push you. You need to push me. And this doesn't happen unless, here's the key word, unless you take a risk. you got to be willing to take a risk. It's really risky to be in a relationship where you are pushing each other spiritually. But risk is an essential part of spiritual growth. But listen, nobody likes to be uncomfortable. (laughs) We all like to be comfortable. We don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to take risks. But if you want to grow, that's what it's going to take. Think about it. A good friend is going to challenge your priorities. They're going to look at your priorities, and they're going to challenge that priority. Jesus did it to the disciples. He did it to the others that he encountered. One in particular was the rich young ruler. You remember this story? He comes to this guy, younger guy. He's got a lot of wealth thinks that he knows what he needs to do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, one thing that you don't have, go sell all that you have and follow me. Jesus is offering this man eternal life. But you know what he does? He says, nah, I'm going to keep my stuff. And he walks away from Jesus. Now, what's the issue with this guy? The issue is not not that he had money. The issue was that Jesus wasn't his priority. You see, a good friend is always going to challenge your priorities because, hey, we live life, things happen, and we get things out of whack. And you need those strong believers in your life to say, whoa, 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 look at your priorities here. You see, a good friend is also going to challenge your faith. They're going to challenge that faith. And Jesus did this constantly to the disciples. In one instance, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, okay, all you disciples, I want you to go out, I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. Are we supposed to do that? (laughs) Like, what? Jesus says, go, do it. Believe, have faith. And they go and they do it, and this challenge that Jesus gives to them, they begin to walk in, and he blesses them in incredible ways. You see, a good friend is also going to challenge your small thinking, A good friend is going to enlarge your vision. Jesus was the master at this. I mean, think about the Great Commission. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. These 12 guys, they didn't even know what all nations looked like. They had no idea. America hadn't even been discovered yet by any Europeans. And so, like, they didn't even know this side of the earth was there. Jesus is enlarging their vision. And this is what a good friend will do in your life. They'll enlarge your small little vision of your little world. And you've got to take those risks in order 
to get that growth. Now, what does risk look like? Not, not only are you meeting as a group, but maybe you ask that leader in your life to, to uh, read through a book of the Bible together. And hey, let's talk on the phone once a week or let's meet once a month to talk about it. And you intentionally ask someone to do that. You say, hey, will you meet with me and help me understand the Bible? Will you, will you just help me walk through this? In your group, you know, you ask good questions and you allow people to ask you tough questions and you ask them tough questions. Here's a good question. You might want to write this down. If you want to go deeper with a friend, just ask him this, just to say, hey, what's the current condition of your soul right now? Hmm. Just think about what that conversation would look like in your life over a cup of coffee with somebody that you love and trust and that wants to see you grow in your relationship with Christ. That's a great start right there. The Bible has a great story about taking us into deeper, different things. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus uh, sees the disciples uh, fishing, Peter fishing. He's with some guys, and they had fished all night, and they hadn't caught anything. And so they had drawn their nets in, and they had cleaned their nets off, and so that, that basically meant they were done for the day. And, and uh, Jesus challenges Peter and he says, hey, let's go back out into the deep end and I want you to drop your nets in the deep end. Now, let's just pause for a second. In Luke 5 here, you see Jesus, who is not a professional fisherman, telling a, pro- a professional fisherman what to do. You know, you don't, you don't drop a net after you've already cleaned it. You're done for the day. You definitely don't do it in the deep end, Jesus. I mean, that'd be, that'd be like me going to Nick Saban and saying, hey, Nick, here's how you recruit the best of the best athletes in the country. Like, who am I? I'm not a professional coach, right? Plus, he'd probably just cheat, so I wouldn't learn anything, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We, we have good vibes and love for him. But this, imagine, this is kind of what Peter would have felt like. like. Like, I'm the professional, and this guy's telling me how to fish, and so he says, all right, all right, all right, let's do it. And so they go out into the deep end, he drops his net, and here's what happens in verse 6 of Luke chapter 5. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So much fish, their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them, and they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. That's how much fish they caught. And then here's what Peter does. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. <laughs> I love his reaction. I, I love his response. It's almost like, Jesus, I know I'm the professional, and I know you're telling me to do something that I don't quite understand, but I'm going to obey it anyway. Some of you kind of need to be just like Peter. You kind of don't understand the value and importance of being connected in a church. But I would say you need to take that risk and take that first step and go to base camp. Some of you don't understand the value of being in a small group. And so for some of you, you're like, I don't really understand. And I would say, listen, trust Jesus on this. Take that step and join a small group anyway. This is what I love about Peter's response. I don't fully understand or know why I need to write down my story or why I need to pray for people, but I'm, I'm going to do it. See, that's key if you want to grow as a follower of Christ. You've got to be just like Peter. So you commit to walk together. You challenge each other's faith. 
And here's number three. You speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love, in those growing relationships. Now, here is the key word here. Everybody just look up here. The key word is love, right? We've got to do this in love. Let me just say this. Anybody can say mean truth. (laughs) Anybody can say some hurtful truth in our life. It doesn't take any intelligence to be hurtful. And we all grew up with this lame statement that is a lie from Satan Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a flat-out lie. I would like to punch the guy who made that up in the face for saying that. Like, that's not true, is it? Bones heal, bruises heal. But what people say to us, it tends to stick around for a long, long time. Words hurt. And we all have that friend who says, I'm just, I just tell it like it is. You know, anybody got that friend? You know, I just tell it like it is. Well, can we, just, can we just say something to you if you're like wearing that badge today, like you're the tell it who it is kind of person? You're not, you're not gifted spiritually with the gift of telling truth. <laughs> you're, you, you just basically don't care about other people's feelings, and so you just say whatever you want to say. That's essentially who you are. And can we just let the Spirit of God work in that person's life? Because I think you do a lot of damage in your marriage You do a lot of damage in the church. You do a lot of damage in your family because you're the do it like it is person. That's your version of the truth. And we want to be wiser than the tell it like it is person. And so I say speak in love because, well, this is what the Bible says. In Ephesians 4, uh, the apostle Paul writes this, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. When you and I speak truth in love, we're going to grow. And we're going to grow so much that we're going to reach maturity and we're going to become like the head. We are going to become like Christ. You see, Christians love to tell each other how to live. And so we've got to be careful here. We love to, to like tell everybody this is the right way to live and how the wrong. Christians are the worst sometimes. Can we just admit that because we're all like here together. We're not going to share that on social media today, but Christians can be the worst. We can be mean. We can be hateful. And I've been hurt by a lot of words, so-called good-meaning Christians. They can be extremely hurtful. Sometimes we think because we go to the same church, we're all Christians that we can, it, that kind of gives us a license to tell each other how to live properly. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when you see the person that you are in a relationship with. And by the way, I wouldn't listen to them. I have three criteria before I listen to anybody speak truth and love in my life. Number one, do they love Jesus? If they don't love Jesus, then I really don't care what you think. Like that's step one. Step two, the second criteria I have is do they love me? Like if they don't love me and they don't love Jesus, then I don't really put any stock in their opinion. And then thirdly, do they love the vision? Are they, are they really committed to the vision of Foothills Church? And so those are my three criteria. You come up with your own before you start listening to everybody. But, but when that person who loves me, loves the vision, loves the Lord, comes to me, what they want to speak and what they want to share with me is this. They want to get to the bottom of this. It's not just that you're living wrong and here's what you got to do. It's asking questions like this. Hey, in your situation... 
I know you're complaining about your marriage or maybe your friend is complaining about finances or they're dealing with some relational issue. You go, hey, okay, okay. What's broken about this situation? What's broken about this situation? Because, because when we start to ask the what's broken about this situation, then we can begin to uncover some of these pieces and some of these components that, that are, are causing us and creating walls and barriers to our growth. I love how Jesus speaks truth into Peter's life. Here's another example. In Mark chapter 8, Peter is, 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 Jesus is actually sharing with Peter and the disciples like, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to die on the cross, but I'm going to raise three days later. And Peter takes him aside, and the Bible says that Peter actually rebuked Jesus. So imagine this for a minute. Jesus is like, here's my purpose. Here's my mission. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to suffer. I'm going to rise from the grave. And Peter goes, Jesus, come here for a second. Hey, man, I just want you to know, like, I am not going to allow this suffering to take place. I will not let you die. I am your man. I am your dude. I'm your bro. We're going to do this together. Don't say that anymore. And Jesus says this, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> get behind me, bro, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. See, I don't think Jesus is, like, yelling this at him. I just think he's making a really you know, loud point here. Like some of you are like, I can't imagine Jesus calling me Satan. <laughs> Others of you are like, I call my husband Satan every day, so it's not a big deal to me. For Peter, it would have been a huge deal. Like this is a huge deal. I look up to Jesus, I'm following Jesus. He's call What's happening here? For Peter, the point is this. You are merely looking at the situation from a human point of view, not God's point of view. And this is what a great friend will do in your life. Hey, you're not looking at this situation from God's point of view. You're only looking at it from this point of view. And so you're speaking truth in love. So what does the loving truth do, by the way? When you experience that loving truth in your life, it makes me face something that might be broken in my life that is not allowing me to grow. It gives me the opportunity to experience healing. Listen, when you hide stuff that's going on in your life, that never brings growth. Whatever you're hiding, you're never going to experience growth in. So this is the power of being in relationship with other people. I, I, uh, I learned this from a book called Crucial Conversations. But anytime you're about to have a crucial conversation, you're about to speak truth and love, here, here's a little outline to make sure you go through in, in your mind to make it a successful, healthy conversation. The first step is that you say, okay, here are the facts. Here's the situation that I have experienced and kind of how I saw it from my view. And then you say, okay, this is how I perceived it. This is what it looked like. And then you give them an opportunity to say, okay, this is what I heard, but you tell me what you meant or, or, or what happened. And that gives them an opportunity to, to speak into it. And then once you hear their side now that you can come back and say, okay, let me share my heart with you. Let me, let me share like, like, like what we can do to, to mend this. Because a lot of times people just charge in, they're offended, they're hurt, they bust through the door and you didn't do this, you didn't do that. And your wife is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. You're like, oh. I thought you did. Well, now you just hurt her, right? And now, now, now you got to heal that process. Instead, hey, here's what I perceived. Here's, here's what it looked like. Here are the facts. This was said. This was done. But you tell me, what did you mean by that? And now let's have a conversation. That's a great step 
to healing and, and positive conversations in your life. Don't, here's the word again. The word is uncomfortable. <laughs> this is extremely uncomfortable for us because we just want to ignore problems. We want to ignore situations. We don't want to be in relationship. We want to be loners. We want to be alone. And we don't want to have to deal with situations. But if you want to grow, you've got to understand that uncomfortable situations bring growth. And so when you get together with others for the purpose of growing spiritually, you're setting yourself up to win. You're setting yourself up to be in a richer and deeper place with God. I can teach you the Bible every week, but I'm not walking with you. I don't know specifically what you're dealing with, not all of you. That's why a small group is so valuable. That leader and those people in that group know exactly what you're experiencing. They know exactly what you're dealing with. And I so badly want you guys to grow deeper in your relationship with God, but you can't do it alone. So here's my challenge for you. You ready for this? Write this down. Here's the challenge. Step number one, join a small group. (laughs) Shocker, right? (laughs) Like, oh, he wants us to join a small group. Absolutely. If you want to grow, you need to be connected to other believers, connect to the people of God, join a small group. If you're not in a group, here's the good news for you. There's a short-term FC small group right now. It's going to meet on Tuesday night here at FC. We want you to come and join. You can go find out more in the Connect Center if you need help getting to that. But that's a great first step. Here's the second challenge. So next Sunday, we're going to start, our series is called 10, so we're going to start a 10-day challenge. So for some of you, your step is going to be to find one or two people, and you're going to go through the 10-day devotion with that person or those two people, okay? So you're going to read this stuff together, and then you're going to talk about it every day. Text message, call, and that's going to be your first step into a growing relationship. And then step number three is this. Simply take your next step on the journey. The journey is what we call our, our, our discipleship strategy. It starts with base camp. It goes to camp two, camp three, and then it moves into the school of ministry. Some of you guys need to take that step to get connected into the life of the church. Some of you need to take these steps now because God has something for you in the future. But listen, God's not going to give you what's next until you take the step that he's giving to you now. So your future depends on the decision that you make today and in the coming days. And I so badly want you guys not just to get saved and get baptized. I want you to know Jesus on a deep, deep level. And to do that, we all need other people in our life. Let's pray together. Father God, We bow before you today with some heavy truth. I think for many of us, this makes sense. But because we've been hurt in the past, we've built up some walls. We've built up some barriers. We've decided to not let anybody else into our life relationally because of that pain or because something difficult happened to us. And I'm praying right now. All across this room, no matter what has happened to you, those strongholds, those barriers would be destroyed and broken. And that men and women and students all across this room would take that next step of faith and join a small group, be intentional about getting into relationships 
with other believers with the whole mindset that I want Jesus, I want Jesus, I want Jesus. I want to be in a deeper relationship with Jesus. You know what? God wants to heal some marriages in the room. But because you're not in relationships, you're skipping a step. There are some relationships in the room today that could bless your socks off. They could show you the answers. God wants them to show you the answers. But because of your resistance, you're not allowing that truth to be heard. Father, lead us into relationships. Grow us into those relationships. Bless us in incredible ways as a result. We do this because we love you, Lord. And we want to sing about it today as we close. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.